some of us to have silver and gold. And we recognize, Lord, that silver and gold is not even worthy to be compared to the glory that we have in you. So we thank you, Lord God, for being constant, faithful, and true in our lives. Thank you for giving us everything we need for life and for godliness. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you that we get to worship you today in spirit and in truth and in the name of your son Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we could come into your house and give you praise, give you thanks. And even now we come to get a word. If you don't preach, we're going to waste our time. If you don't give us the ability to comprehend it, again, our time is wasted. And if you don't give us the strength and the desire to perform what we hear, it's all for naught. But I'm so glad that you're the helper who will never leave us nor forsake us. That we're not alone. That you love to communicate with us. You love to be with us. Thank you, Jesus, that when you chose the disciples, you chose them to be with you before you ever even sent them out because you just love us like that. And I just pray, Lord, that we would not try to relate to you on the basis of our works, that we would relate to you on the basis of your son, Jesus, that you love us even as you have loved him. And that by faith in him, his righteousness has been given to us. So we thank you for justification because of Jesus and what he did for us. And now, Lord, as we come to the word, give the children ears to hear. Give the teenagers ears to hear and give the adults ears to hear. What you are saying and what you are doing in the church it's in Jesus' name that I pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. If you've been coming to this church for a year or more, would you just raise your hand? You've been coming to this church for a year or more. Amen. You may put your hands down. And because you've been coming to this church for at least a year, you understand the kind of season that Strong Tower Bible Church just came through. We came through a season called pruning. Pruning. Jesus talks about pruning in John chapter 15, where he talks about how his father is the vine dresser or the farmer, the gardener. And he himself, Jesus, is the vine. I am the vine. We are the branches. The disciples of Jesus are the branches. And when we are connected to him, our life source, we are able to bear fruit, fruit that will remain. And so it's about fruitfulness or productivity for the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus because as we abide in him and his word abides in us, great things begin to happen in the life of a Christian 
and through the life of a Christian. But because the father is the vine dresser or the gardener, the farmer, he has the right to dress and even address the fruit as he sees fit. And although I'm not a gardener and I don't have a green thumb, I do understand that there's a part of gardening that the plants usually don't like, and that is pruning. And what a farmer does, a farmer has vision when he or she looks at a crop or a plant. The farmer not only sees what the crop is, but he sees what the crop can be. And so in order for that crop to become what it can be, which is a vessel that not only produces fruit, but produces much fruit, the farmer has to do something to the plant. He must cut it. He must cut it back. He must clip it. He must prune it, even as it's fruitful. What he does may seem cruel at first. If I'm bearing fruit, why are you going to cut me? Well, I'm cutting you so that you can bear even more fruit because what I cut back, I give it the strength to grow back in a greater capacity because I'm trying to push you to be more than you could ever envision for yourself. So as I cut you as an individual, as I prune you as a church, we got to keep in mind there's a purpose in the pruning. God is not trying to hurt us to hurt us, but he is hurting us to help us. He is hurting us so that we can bear more fruit to his glory. And over a year ago, Strong Tower was going along minding our own business, trying to tend to the father's business. And the father, the vine dresser, said, oh, this is good. I love the fruit. But I need to see Strong Tower bear more fruit, much fruit. So I got to cut you. God pulled out his tools, his gardening tools, and he cut us back. And some people wondered, was the cutting discipline? No, the cutting wasn't discipline. The cutting was pruning. And when he cut us back and the numbers went down and some of our morale went down and we were wondering what's going on. But I'm here to let you know that the season of harvest is here. Can I get a stronger amen than that? Because all at once the fruit just started popping and coming back. So much so that those of us who work in the master's vineyard, we can't keep up with what the master is doing in his church because he's true to his word. The Bible talks about if there is seed time, there's gonna be harvest. It's that time in between that's a test of your faith. Is the seed gonna do what it's supposed to do? Oh yeah, it's going to do. You might not see it. It's underground, but it's working because the master told that seed it's going to produce. And so Strong Tower went through a pruning period where we got cut. And I would even like to add my two cents and say in addition to the pruning, there was also a purging. 
Oh, I won't chase that too far. I'm going to leave that over there. But that was a purging because sometimes you got to purge out the old lump so you can be a new lump that's fresh. So sometimes he's got to purge as he prunes. And we went through that. But just as sure as there's seed time and harvest, you best believe that when he prunes, there's going to be more fruit. Oh, it hurts. I don't like it. But when the fruit starts coming, oh, I see what you were doing. Oh, I see what you were up to. Because all at once, fruit is just popping at Strong Tower Bible Church. I can't name it all, but here's just a few. The Haiti missions trip was off the heezy. Oh, I don't even know if that's a current term anymore. I don't know what the new slang is, but it was all that in a bag of chips. The Haiti missions trip. Strong Tower Bible Church summer nights that we just came through. We just finished up this past Wednesday with a Chick-fil-A meal for everybody. That was free. I forgot to announce that last week. And I know if I'd have said free Chick-fil-A last Sunday, but God had who was going to be there, who was going to be there. And man, the VBS for the children, they not only made arts and crafts, but of course they're learning the word as they're making arts and crafts. And I just want to say a thank you to all of our students who served this summer and even in times past with our children. Thank you to my nieces. All of you helping Miss Felicia serve the children. We couldn't have done it without you so that the adults could meet me in this room. And we talked about the fruit of the spirit, getting into the word that the word might get into us. Man, it was awesome going through the pastor's Bible study together. And then we went over to Harpeth Hills Church of Christ there and good things happen there even in the midst of some uh, challenging circumstances uh, uh, you can't just deal with racism and system systemic oppression just by hearing a lecture no no we got to get in there and get dirty and so we have a situation with Harpeth Hills Church of Christ because of sin that we can step in and redeem I can't get into all this situation right now but it's a good thing that God allows some fruit is happening some education is happening with a body that is majority white that wants to hang with a diverse church like ours more fruit is that we're gonna have a diaconate installed to a greater capacity I've been working two deacons for the past 10 years or so we've been so busy serving that we had to say wait a minute we got to stop and make sure that those servants are joined by other servants so we started the deacon process we taught on it for a few weeks uh, the ballots went out, we've notified people, we begin training next Sunday, and we'll ordain whoever the Lord has for us on our anniversary, on our 22nd anniversary, September 3rd. Fruit is just popping. Then we had uh, 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 so much answer to prayer. When those blue cards come in and we begin to pray, and then we run into you and you tell us how God is answering prayer, again, these are the fruit that we see God is bringing to light. Um, we're also going to be working with another church in Nashville, Watson Grove Primitive Baptist Church, and Pastor John Faison Sr. Uh, going to participate with him in the leadership summit that's put on by the uh, uh, church in ha Hammond, Indiana. What, what's the guy with the mega church? Uh, Bill, Ga uh, not Gates. Uh, <laughs> Bill Hybels, yeah, that's it. Well, he's close to Bill Gates, you know, but, but anyway, so 
new partnerships uh, forming. I'm a graduate of Leadership Nashville, and so I've met people all over the city of Nashville who are in prominent roles to lead and help develop the future of our city. And I'm able to sit down and break bread with people like that. And, and, and give a kingdom perspective when God opens the door. I just came from Dave Ramsey's place this past week, speaking to 600 of the people who work for him, sharing the word of God. Opportunities are just coming left and right. We also saw during the summertime a financial increase when most churches see a drop uh, significantly during the summer. Our numbers just kept continuing to climb, and we thank you for being obedient to the Lord and being hilarious, generous givers. Uh, as, I, as my wife mentioned, we got this skate party. A donor steps up and says, I want the church to come. And so as we've been blessed, we know we're blessed to be a blessing. So we're going to turn around and fill up uh, the resource trailer with new supplies as we begin a new school year because the church has added another school to serve alongside of J.T. Moore. And it's a school, a low-income school, primarily Latino community. And, and Jerry went over and met with the principal and their open arms to allow us to come in and serve so that's why we're saying we're going to get these backpacks just like we got them last year the men's ministry is man I don't even know Atarius Randall the brothers have been holding it down no man left behind we got a kickoff coming up with that the women's book club I heard is also off the chain as y'all got into the book but you also allow the spirit to have its way in your meetings I've been hearing about that the fountain for the women is about to kick off Awana is about to kick off and then on July 16th if you weren't here I talked about how the Lord provided the message was about the power of a praying church and how the church prayed for Peter to get out of jail and I talked about how for over a year we've been praying for a student ministry director we've been praying for a student ministry director Lord send him or her to us because we know that our students have to have a leader and I thank God for all the volunteers who stepped in to serve our students in the meantime. I won't name your name, but God was faithful again. But we've been praying and praying. And so I shared on July 16th how a businessman in the community who had come to one church service must have seen our budget on the wall. And although it, our numbers are increasing, our giving is increasing, there was still some red there. Businessman said, how can I help with the church's needs financially. Elders and I got together once he posed that question and we went back to him and said, the best way you can help us is by helping us get a student ministry director. We see you as an answer to prayer. So that businessman said, I tell you what, I will give $30,000 towards that. Uh, and let's do it as a matching gift to try to cover the salary and benefits package for a student ministry director. So that, we didn't go seeking after that. The Lord brought that fruit to us because we've been praying to him. Because not every day somebody walk up and say, not only am I going to give this church $30,000, and I don't, I'm not a member there. He's a member of God's kingdom. He said, I'll, I'll give $30,000 this year. You tell me when you get the 30, I'll give you the 30 just like that. But then next year, Pastor Chris, I will help this church. Uh, I hear you want to paint the building, I'll pay for that. Uh, uh, you want to repave the parking lot, I'll pay for that. No matching gift, I'll just do that in 2018 to be a blessing to this church in the name of Jesus. That's fruit, that's fruit, that's fruit. That's fruit. 
so that when you drive into this high rent district to go to church, you don't have to be ashamed of the decaying bricks and the mismatched windows and the parking lot that people like to use. A million visitors every year into Radnor Lake and 999,000 of them park right here in this parking lot. And God knows we just want to serve the community. But man, the parking lot is getting a lot of wear and tear. God knew that and he raised up somebody who said, I'll help fix that so that we can be a blessing to our community. Then I hear the men's ministry want to serve Radnor Lake coming up. Is that in September that the brothers? November, November going to serve Radnor Lake. I said, How, what y'all going to do? They said, we're just going to serve our community. Mm-hmm. God, he, fruit, 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 fruit. So God says, okay, you want a student ministry director? I hear your prayers. I'm going to move on the hearts of one of my servants to help jumpstart this church towards getting that. Because he could have said, I'm going to give all of it. But God says, no, we've got to join in on that and partner with God and with this anonymous donor. And so that's why we're having a prayer meeting. In addition to praying for other things, we're going to be praying for, because it's one thing to have the money, but Lord, we need the person. The person is more important than the money, but in order to get the right person, we've got to pay them. So Lord, you know we have need of before we ask. And so on August 20th, we're going to take a special offering. And all of that is written here in your new uh, 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 brochure, uh, newsletter, and it explains this $30,000 matching gift among so many other things that April did a phenomenal job putting together. But I want to share in my closing moments about another aspect of fruit, of, of God causing there to be much fruit. So in order for me to do that, i got to talk vision to you. And this is vision for the Christian education ministry, another ministry that also went through some changes. But again, I thank God for those of you who stepped up with huddle groups and helped up with, with children's ministry, and we still need help with children's ministry. Uh, but I believe that what I'm about to share with you is going to excite many of you to see the children's ministry. It's not just trying to show up and be there with kids. It's an opportunity for you, listen to this, to make disciples. Because that's why we do what we do. All of our Christian education is about making disciples. It's not about babysitting. It's making disciples. So when children come in, even into the nursery, we're reading the word over them. We're praying over them. We're, we're blessing them as we hold them and change diapers. So this is intentional discipleship making in the name of Jesus. Because if you take out the name of Jesus, we're just a social club. But when you put in the name of Jesus, we are the church of God and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. So when we dedicate a child, we mean business because we're praying and we're asking God to step in. Oh yeah, yeah, the church, the church, the people of God. And so let me give you a vision real quick about where Christian education is going. But I got to warn you, this is a big vision. It's a big vision, and it's probably one you've never heard before. You definitely haven't heard it from this church before. And sometimes when people hear something they've never heard before, they have a tendency to doubt it, to ridicule it, or even resist it. But I want to let the people of faith in on something. That when God calls you to do something, whether it's in your church or even in your family, a job, a, a, a relationship, when God calls you to do something with school, when he calls you to do something, usually he calls you to do something 
that is above your head. It's just too big for you so that you got to depend on him to get it done so that when it gets done, he gets all of the glory. He's not going to call you to do something that you can do in your own strength. He's not going to call you to do something that you can do with your own resources. When God gives a vision, it's not only going to be big because it's big because it comes from a big God. And it's going to require some faith. Yeah, there's reason. There's stuff that's got to make sense, especially on paper. But there's a faith element. It's big, what I'm about to tell you right now. So when a vision goes out like this, people hear it and they run with it. Other people hear it and they question it and they already throw stones at it before it happened. I wish I had Nehemiah here for a witness right now. <laughs> Nehemiah came in, the walls of Jerusalem had been down for decades. And the people got used to rubble. They got used to being defenseless, not having the walls up. So one man comes to town and he says, I see something that y'all don't see. Y'all see walls that are down. I see walls that are up. And he said to them, he says, um, you see the distress that we're in. And some people are real good at seeing the distress. What's wrong? What's not right? What we don't have? What we can't do? But visionary leaders like Nehemiah and myself, uh, we see things. We see beyond. He says, you see the distress that we're in, but I see the walls that are going to go up. And he communicated that vision in such a way where the people said, let us rise up and do this thing. So Holy Spirit, Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. When this vision go out, let the people say, let us rise up and do this. Because it's about discipling the church to impact the world. That's why we're here, discipling the church to impact the world. Amen. Well, in order for this thing to happen, we got to get in the Bible. So turn over to Pro, uh, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. At the elders' retreat, the elders are praying and asking God, Lord, are we in step with you? Are we where you want us to be. You're the head of the church. We want to connect to you through prayer. Lord, what are you saying to us? And because we believe what the Spirit says to one, he says to all, he speaks to us in unanimity. Even though we may have differences of opinion, we are cemented on the same goal. And the Lord said, I need y'all to step up in the discipleship area. I'm coming back soon. I'm coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. I, I, I need the church to get ready to work because the darkness is coming when no man can work. I, I need Strong Tower to, to firm up its mission. Make disciples of all nations. And might I add, all ages. Make disciples, make students of Jesus. He's the master. He's the teacher. He's the Lord. Make disciples which means making converts of the lost, but also seeing those who are saved and found grow up spiritually in the children's ministry, in the student ministry, and in the adult ministry. Make disciples. Disciple the church to impact the world. So that when the Lord asks the elders of Strong Tower on the Bema Seat Judgment Day, thank God we won't be at the Great White Throne Judgment. That's for unbelievers. But believers still have to give an account for the talents that have been invested to us. What did we do with it? And that's at the Bema seat. 
Uh, Elder Bob is thankful for that. Elder Tyler is thankful for that. Aubrey is thankful for that. Elder Joe is thankful for that. Uh, Brother Jerry is thankful for that. I'm thankful for that, that we're going to be at the Bema seat. But even though we're at the Bema seat, Jesus is going to ask us, did you feed my lambs? Did you feed my sheep? So that when you talk about making disciples, is there a pathway? Is there a demonstrable way to measure your success in whether or not you hit the goal? Because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Make disciples. It's not just what you catch subliminally. It's not just what you catch, you know, in relationships here and there. But there's also this intentional didactic approach to discipleship. Jesus said in John 8, 31, you are truly my disciples if you hold to my teaching. You can't be a disciple of the Lagos if you're not in the rhema. But we got people that say, I know Jesus, but when you say turn to Genesis, they're like, now where's that at? <laughs> Pastor, it ain't all about that. Well, wait a minute, Jesus told the Sadducees, you're in error. You don't know the power of God, nor do you know the scriptures. And we got so many Christians, we don't know the scriptures. We become content at being spiritually ignorant. Not at this church. We're calling you up. That's what Brother Bob said. We got to call you up. It's got to get a little bit more serious. Why? Because time is running out. And the Father's not only looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth, but I think he's looking for some soldiers who've been trained in spiritual battle, who understand the times that we live in and what we should do. And there was a man by the name of Apollos I want to tell you about real quick who was given a word. And he, this passage right here is really the seed for what we're trying to do. Hold on. Oh, I got to move. Look at verse 24. Acts 18. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Thank God for the people he's bringing into this church. He went to Ephesus, the Bible says. And so when he comes in, the Bible is going to give us a description of him. And in these few verses that follow, I believe that there are more descriptions and, and, and adulations about this man than few people in the Bible. A lot of attention is given on telling us who this man is and what this man did for the Lord. We see first he's Jewish. He's a descendant from Shem, one of Noah's sons, the Semitic people, the line from which Jesus comes because Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. So Jewish, Jewish, he's Jewish. So he's raised in the Jewish religion, the Jewish culture, uh, Judaism. So, so he's Jewish, but he's named Apollos. That's a Greek name. That means although he was born Jewish, his parents were influenced by Hellenist culture or Greek culture, so they named him Apollos. And that's one of them Greek gods, one of them Roman gods. So, so, he's, so, so he is a Hellenist, but he's Jewish. Then he's born at Alexandria. Pastor, where's Alexandria? Not in Virginia. That ain't the one I'm talking about. This Alexandria is in Egypt. Egypt is in Africa. 
So this man was born in Africa, born in Egypt, born in Alexandria. What's the big deal about Alexandria? It was the seat of education and philosophy, some of the highest in the then known world. Hundreds of thousands of people lived in this city and it was known for philosophy and education. And this man comes from there, this Jewish man with a Greek name who was born in Africa. Oh, if I had time, I'd tell you, I'd make the case that when I read scripture, I see this as a black African man. Oh, I don't have time. Somebody say, Pastor, why does it matter? Well, the Bible telling me a whole lot about him. And when it says that he's from Alexandria, Egypt, Africa, it lets me know that this could be a man of color. Pastor, why do you say that? Because for so long, men of color and people of color were not expounded upon as being in not only scripture, but in the redemptive plan of God. So you can't whitewash the whole Bible and say that everybody is white. No, if you really read the Bible historically and accurately, sometimes the question is, where are the white people in the Bible? But pastor, what's the point, what's the point? Well, well, back in the day, early parts of Genesis, latter parts of Genesis rather, Joseph is in Egypt. And he marries an Egyptian African woman. They have two children, Manasseh and Ephraim. And they are then inserted into the 12 tribes of Israel. So that means there's an African presence in the Shemitic line of Israel. So there are African Hebrews. And if we travel the world today, we can meet many of these Coptic Christians, these Coptic Jews, these Ethiopian Jews. And so education expands your horizon so that you just don't think narrowly or in many cases incorrectly, which is why there's a need for Christian education and for people to rightly divide the word of truth. He's from Alexandria because my question is, why couldn't he be an African? Mm, mm, mm. Oh, I, got, I would love to stay there, but I gotta go. Bible says he was eloquent or learned. He's in Alexandria. He's exposed to great education. But not only that, he's mighty in scripture. Is that your testimony? Can somebody say that you're mighty in the scripture? Well, to be mighty in the scripture, that means somebody had to have trained him. And for the Jewish culture, training didn't start when you became an old person. It started when you were knee-high to a grasshopper. You could barely crawl. Parents were intentional to train their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We live in the day where the church is here. And the church is here to come alongside of you as you train your children up in the things of God. And when we do Awana, learning these scriptures, learning these songs, my goodness, this is the first time a lot of kids are going to be exposed to the word. And when the word gets in us, watch out. It can be an outreach to parents who just want to send their kid because they may remember when they went to school, I mean, went to church and they had a wana. And it may be an outreach to not only get them in the church, but then again, most of all, to get them into the kingdom. Who knows what God can do through this? But children, he learned this word when he was young. And that's what Paul said about Timothy. He said, your mother and your grandmother taught you the word when you were a young man. 
Oh, it's so important. We got to teach them the word so that our kids can be mighty in scripture and not just mighty on Facebook or, well, kids don't get on Facebook. That's for old people. That's what my kids say. <laughs> Snapchat and all this other stuff. They mighty in that stuff, man. They can do all that stuff. When you ask them to turn to Genesis, they at the back of the Bible. Come on now. Pastor, don't be in grace. Grace don't mean grease. Grace is not an excuse to be sloppy. Grace ought to be a motivation to be right and to apply yourself and to be disciplined. Oh, I got to go. Verse 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. Fervent means that this man had a holy Righteousness, man, he was on fire for God. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Now, at this point, all he has is the Old Testament. So when he's instructed and mighty in scripture, it's just the Old Testament. Because watch this next verse or portion of verse 25. He taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. So his understanding was limited of the things of the Lord. But at least he was acting on what he knew. Pastor, what did he know? Well, if he was reared under John the Baptist, that means that he was taught about the Messiah who was to come. That John was the last Old Testament prophet, if you will. And he came as a forerunner, crying in the wilderness, saying the Messiah is coming, get ready. And his baptism was a baptism unto repentance. In other words, turn your life around, get ready, because there's someone coming who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm just getting y'all ready. I'm the hype man for him. He's coming. And the Bible says that John had disciples. He would teach people. He would lead people. He would show them the Old Testament scriptures about the Messiah. John didn't even know that the Messiah would be his cousin, Jesus. And so all Apollos knew was about the baptism of repentance. All he knew was the Messiah was coming. And he was faithful to that until Aquila and Priscilla heard him. So verse 26 says, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla, who were they? Tent makers that Paul met earlier in Ephesus and poured into them and even lived in their house. They were a couple who ministered together. So much so that they would have a house, a church meeting in their house a little bit later in Ephesus. But there was this husband and wife team who had been discipled by Paul who then turned around to help this mighty man of God named Apollos out. Because although he had some knowledge, he still needed some instruction. What is discipleship? Man, we never will know it all while we're here. But there are some people who know just a little bit more than us who can help us in our journey. Because when they pulled him aside to talk to him, the Bible says they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. What did they tell him? I know you've been waiting for the Messiah to come. I want to let you know he did come. His name is Jesus. And let me tell you, he went to Calvary and Apollos is listening. Really, really, really? He, because he's getting the whole story filled in now. He went to Calvary and then he was placed in a grave after he died. 
But on the third day, just as he said, and as was prophesied in scripture, he rose again from the grave. And not only did he rise again from the grave, he ascended to heaven and he poured out the Holy Spirit on believers. Apollos didn't know all that. And so he got filled in on the rest of the story. Back in the day, we had maps. If you were trying to go somewhere, you had a map. You couldn't look at your phone unless somebody talked to you and tell you take a right or tell you take a left. You had to look at a map to figure out if you took a right. Some of the millennials are like, what is he talking about? That's a foreign language. Siri is with me wherever I go. Well, before Siri came, and you could get them out of a gas station. They'd be in a book. The book be this thick. The only part you need is one page. And what would happen with maps, they would get outdated. So once you get this map, there's another one coming out because they rewrote work the road system. Apollos had an old map, and he worked with what he had. But then Aquila and Priscilla came along and said, let us give you the new map, this GPS, this God's something system. I, I, I'll get it later. That, that I'll connect you with. And he got the whole story. And when his brother got the whole story, the Bible says, and when he desired, verse 27, to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, in other words, the church got behind him, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who have believed through grace. In other words, he's helping people grow up in the things of God. He just learned about grace. So now he's going to be a conduit to share grace with other people, especially Jews who may have been like himself, who were steeped in the law. But now they're understanding grace. So he helped people because grace will help anybody who's teachable. And then it says in verse 28, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Oh, this is beautiful. Apollos was trained, he was taught. But in order for him to be trained, he had to be teachable, which meant he had to be humble. And he had to be willing to admit, I know some stuff, but I don't know everything. Beware of spiritual arrogance. Because when I talk about Christian education, you're gonna be like, ah, man, I know it, I'm good. Be careful. He had knowledge, but he knew he didn't know everything. And not only was he humble enough to be taught, but he was humble enough to be taught by some tent makers. And not only was he humble enough to be taught by tent makers who probably didn't go to school where he went to school, he was humble enough to be taught by a woman. Oh boy. You know, there's some men who won't receive a thought from God if it comes through a woman. Shame on you. But I used to be a legalist, Pharisee, stupid dude like that. Thank God for deliverance. And after, amen, somebody said that real loud. So pastor, I see this man was transformed. He knew something. He didn't know everything. He was taught and he then went out and helped other people. That's discipleship. You only pass on what you receive. That's discipleship. Paul said, what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. You can pass it on to children. 
You can pass it on to teens. You can pass it on to adults. You can pass it on to your husband, to your wife, to your coworkers. That's what discipleship is. What you learn, you pass on. So what are we going to do? Put the umbrella up. Put the umbrella slide. You got the umbrella slide. People upstairs got excited. Here it is, Christian education. We've been charged to disciple God's people to impact the world. This morning we met with the leadership council. When I say we, the elders and I, men and women to help us develop this vision. We have adult ministry, student ministry, children's ministry. Okay? We're going to add as we continue to have young adults and college age, we're going to have more focus. But this is where we are right now. Next slide, please. So here's what we're going to do that's never been done that I know of. We're going to have an institute in this church to make disciples. It's going to be a three-year program that's going to take you from A to Z. We're going to have a graduation service, caps and gowns. Teachers are going to be taking attendance. If you're not in class for 80% of the classes, you're not going to be able to pass and have credit for that class. So you've got to take what we're calling the, the main courses and then the seminars. So this September, we're going to start off with three seminars for the adults. There'll be a seminar on how to teach and lead small groups and, and all of that. And, and, and Elder Tyler is going to lead that. Then there's going to be a, a class, a seminar on leadership that I'll lead. And then there's a seminar on marriage. That's for single people, married people that Pastor Jerry is going to lead. And it'll be on a Saturday on the 16th of September from 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock. So we're going to have seminars. Somebody may say, that's not what I want to do. I'll wait till next year rolls around, whatever. But we're offering the same classes for this September seminar. Then you'll see later we have a seminar for the students. That will also happen. Uh, but before you go there, go back. Go back to the, yeah. And then in the fall, we're going to have three 12-week classes offered. We're going to have New Testament survey, apologetic, spiritual gifts. You've got wonderful teachers like Randall Webb, Shannon Patterson, Paul Revere. Uh, so many great teachers who are going to teach in 12 weeks. There are going to be quizzes and all kinds of good things because we're calling you up. Uh, and then you'll see in, in, when we get into the new year, there's a health and fitness seminar, parenting seminar. We'll do the Enneagram, find out how we're wired. Then we'll get into the spring semester, get the Old Testament survey, get theology. Then there'll be a God's Diverse Kingdom class. Then we'll get into the May seminars for singles, adoption, finances. Then we'll get into the summer semester, evangelism and missions, hermeneutics, spiritual identity. And then we'll be right back in September. And so whatever you don't take the first year, you can take the second year. Whatever you don't take the first or second year, you can take the third year. And then when we come, it's cumulative. When you get to the end and you have all of the requirements met, there will be a graduation ceremony. And, and we know that when you graduate, it's not the end of something. It's really the beginning because now we're going to be able to use you to serve in capacities that you never thought you could serve before. All this good stuff is happening, all this good stuff. So now go to the students because we're discipling the students as well. So that when the Lord brings in the student director, he or she can fit right into a grid that has already been made. We're not asking him or her to do something, create something that worked at another church. When they come in here, we're serious about making disciples and not just trying to give kids cotton candy and take them on field trips. No, kids need to know about purity, commitment. 
So we're starting off their seminar for the kids who want to do it. We'll sit down first with the parents on the 13th of August, and we're going to talk about where the student ministry is. We're going to talk about this purity commitment uh, seminar that we're going to have because we're going to address so many things that's going on sexually in the world and the call for Christians to live holy and godly, what we sang about earlier today and how we can help them and come alongside of them. And, so, and, and then when they come through this and if they say, you know what, I counted the cost and I want to uh, uh, surrender my body to the Lord as a living sacrifice, we're going to have a ceremony for them where they will be wed to the Lord, if you will, 1 Corinthians 6, 7, he or she who is wed to the Lord is one in spirit with him until they become one in spirit with a man or a woman through marriage. So we're going to have this kind of commitment. The girls are going to get rings and wear nice pretty dresses. The guys are going to get necklaces and wear nice suits or whatever they want to wear. They can still wear some Air Jordans. They can still keep it fly. We're going to celebrate them. And then the second year they can recommit. Third year they can recommit. Pastor, pastor, you sure you want to do that? Yeah, we want to do this. And then spiritual identity. So in the fall, what they're going to learn during the 9 o'clock hour, 9 o'clock hour, which means parents, you got to bring your kids out to the 9 o'clock hour so that you can go to the 9 o'clock classes too. They're going to learn about who they are in Jesus Christ, their identity, and on and on and on. New Testament survey, hermeneutics, cultural trends, evangelism and mission, taking them on missions trips, all that good stuff, y'all. This is a big vision. Go to the third slide, please. Because in order to have a student director, you gotta have some money. Get some money, you gotta pray. But not only about ministry, but about the lives of the people. So while we're teaching on prayer, we're gonna have prayer like we had this morning. You notice how you came alive when we prayed for each other? Imagine a whole worship service dedicated to prayer. That's what's gonna happen on that weekend. We're gonna be fasting Friday, Saturday, Sunday. However the Lord leads you to fast. If, if he requires you to give up meat or sugar, whatever it is, somebody may fast, technology, okay? Whatever you fast, you pray. We're going to meet up in here that morning, and this is going to be a house of prayer. Truly, we're going to take our sacrificial offering. I'm asking children, women, boys, girls to bring their best offering that we can give to the Lord to get this $30,000 match. And if you've been hanging with Strong Tower any amount of time, You've seen God meet us at these places time and time again. He's been faithful to take our little and multiply. And we're going to count the money, you know, right up front like the old deacons, or maybe we'll take it out in the back, Chauncey, I don't know. And then they're going to come back and tell us where we are. And I got a feeling, man, by faith in the name of Jesus, that number's going to be over $30,000. From this small group of people in here, uh, uh, God's going to do it. And then I'll call that businessman. I told him I'm going to call him on Monday morning on the 21st to say, we got ours. You got yours. And he, he, I saw him the other day. He said, where y'all at? Y'all good? I said, we good. We good. So I'm going to call him. We're going to get that check. Boom. We've already gotten in over six applications for this position. I'm just telling you stuff is happening. We got to keep praying. We got to keep being faithful and watch God do it. So what do we need? We need students. Don't just say, I ain't doing that. You need to do this. We're making disciples in this church. We're going to need you to teach. We're going to need you to help. We're going to need you to pray. Oh, man, there it is. Paul, 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 can, can, can you close this out, Paul Revere? Everybody stand to your feet. I, I hope you heard this vision. Pick up your newsletter as you leave. But, man. God is up to something good.